Welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 27. I'm Kay, here with my co-host, Taz. Hello. Today we'll be discussing the Farscape season two episode, The Way We Weren't. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of The Way We Weren't. While searching through the junk in Moya's attic, Chiana runs across a peacekeeper recording device showing Aaron killing Moya's first pilot. When Pilot sees the recording, he tries to kill Aaron before settling on banishing her from the ship. As the crew struggles with Aaron's past as a PK poster girl, both Aaron and Pilot remember what happened three cycles ago when they both first came aboard Moya. The way we weren't doesn't have a classic sci-fi trope. It's all history, and it's all backstory, and all character work, and it's probably one of the best Farscape episodes that they have. And I just love it to pieces. Oh, it's so good. Like, I remember it being really good, but when I was rewatching it again, it was even better. Yeah. I remember it when it came out being one of the most amazing episodes we've seen so far. And because it's Aaron's backstory, and she's such a beloved character by everyone, including us, you know, it's just so wonderful to have such a, a really, really strong, deep backstory for her that really gets at PK culture who she was before, what life was like, in a way that I don't think we really have even in the first season when she talks about it. This is a really visceral confrontation of who the peacekeepers are as a culture and what their domination of half of the galaxy means. Yeah, I think that Shiana has a really good line early on when all of them are a little bit shocked. And Shiana's like, what did you think she was doing when she was a peacekeeper? Because everybody kind of has this really visceral reaction to what happens on the tape. And I think Chiana is the only one who really gets it, you know? Yeah, let's play that because there's a lot of really good reactions. So to set the scene a little bit, what we see on screen and what everyone is seeing on screen because it's a recording is Moya's first pilot who is resisting being replaced by the peacekeepers. And Moya is sedated and she is under peacekeeper control. And the result is that she basically gets gunned down by a squad of peacekeepers among them is Aaron. Well, the pilot gets gunned down. Yes, that's what I meant. (laughs) Yes, it's me, I admit it. Are you happy now? This shows you have been aboard Moya before. Why did you ever tell us? Criminally obvious, isn't it? She helped murder a defenseless pilot. Must have been about three cycles ago. I've been aboard hundreds of Leviathans and I had no idea that it was Moya. So all emancipations look alike, that it? I didn't know, Chiana. Look. The Aaron on that tape is not the Aaron we know. That was a long time ago. Three cycles isn't that long. (laughs) I was aboard Moya by then. As was I. Maybe you were one of the ones who took a turn torturing me. Ever torture a Hynerian? Perhaps you helped torture me too. No. Aaron, just... Okay, everybody. Neutral corners. Let's chill out for a mic, Rod. We all have things in our past that we'd rather not have on instant replay. True enough, John. But I still can't accept the cold-blooded slaughter of such a helpless creature. Oh, it's perfectly fine to cut off one of his arms, then, is it, Zan? Peacekeeper murderer! Aaron, no! been thinking all this time 
What, she was out picking baskets of rollless buds while all the other mean peacekeepers did all the really nasty stuff? So there you have basically everybody's gut emotional reaction to this visual of Aaron being a murderer or what they consider to be a murderer, even though she's following orders and whatnot. And what gets me every time I watch that and even listening to it now is Rigel's reaction where he's got this little catch in his voice when he says, maybe you tortured me. Did you ever torture a Hynerian? And I don't know. It's just something very visceral about that. Like you can really tell that it is deeply, deeply personal to them that they finally have to confront that she was part of the people that were oppressing them in a way they haven't in a really long time. Yeah. Because I think when Aaron first came on board, yeah, there was a lot of tension and she and Dargo had some really good, you know, tension and and their relationship was really rocky for an extended period of time. But this is, I mean, this is beyond the pale. This is something completely different than that. And I think that, I think that for me as a viewer and maybe as somebody that just likes Aaron a lot, what was so hard was how quickly they all turned on her and with so little empathy mm-hmm. because the setup for the scene isn't like Aaron on her own goes in and then randomly shoots the pilot. It's that the, you know, the original pilot is talking to this peacekeeper Lieutenant and the Lieutenant's trying to convince her to come around and work with the peacekeepers. And then Crace comes in is like, and is like, why is this taking so long? And then Crace is the one that just says, kill her. Or like, you know, he, he's essentially like fire. And then Aaron and six other peacekeepers fire on the pilot. So it, it isn't it isn't this thing that's occurring in isolation. And it also isn't something that Aaron is independently doing. Because my other reaction was, what did they expect her to do? To say no? Right. To get herself killed? Because this is Crace that clearly doesn't even want to wait you know, five minutes to see if they can convince the original pilot to go with them. This is a Chris that comes in and is like, oh, she's not obeying, shoot her. And so, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if he had a if he had a grunt that wasn't obeying orders, his reaction would be, oh, she's not obeying, shoot her. Yeah, well, I think with the Moya crew, and I think you see this kind of play out later on too, is that they do understand that eventually, but they are having such a emotional reaction to the to the violence they are seeing on screen right then that Aaron is the only outlet they have to express that anger. Crace isn't there. Other peacekeepers aren't there. She was there. She is where they're with them right now. And she is the person that they can lash out at and take out all their anger and frustration and all this past, you know, all the past pain that they've all been through. Mm-hmm. And I think so that part of that initial initial conversation is just it's just this pure emotion that's coming out and it comes from a place of being deeply hurt by the peacekeepers, but it's not necessarily 100 percent rational about striking out against Aaron. And I think later on you do see like, for instance, Dargo comes around fairly quickly, like he's the one who says we can never show pilot this and that's protecting Aaron mm-hmm. ultimately, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is. And I think you read about it not being super rational. And I I love how Aaron references DNA mad scientist when they cut off Pilot's arm. Because there's this great quote about Farscape where Farscape is a show that remembers. And Farscape is a show that constantly goes forward. Where it constantly goes forward and then everything that happened in the past kind of comes back to haunt it in a certain way. Yeah. 
characters grow, they change, they're not the same people they were in season one by the time the series ends. And I think that the other the other hand of that is when you have character growth like this, you have to remember things. And mm-hmm. so I really did like the reference to cutting off Pilot's arm because that these people aren't innocent. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like they got out of prison and then they never did anything bad. <laughs> right. Aaron points that out in that way. It's like, She's saying, you know, I am guilty of this. I'm not going to hide it. The evidence is right there. But don't think that you have the moral high ground in this situation because they clearly don't because they were willingly, without any extenuating circumstances, willing to trade, you know, pilot's arm for maps. I don't know. I I hesitated because I said there were extenuating circumstances, but they weren't the same kind of extenuating circumstances where, you know, Aaron would have been shot for insubordination if she hadn't obeyed. Yeah, they wouldn't have been murdered by the scientist if they <laughs> had decided <laughs> right. not to give him pilot's arm. So this episode is basically an unfolding mystery of what happened back then in the past. You have the initial act of, you know, Aaron shooting Miss Pilot as a female pilot. And then you have all the reactions and then you dig deeper into the story and it's it's not that it's more complicated, but it's it's more layered mm. because it's still a fairly simple story from each of the three pieces that we have. But we find out that each of these other two pieces exists. And one of those has to do with the lieutenant who is a tech specialist in replacing pilots on Leviathans. And his name is Velarek. Mm-hmm. So immediately after the confrontation scene, when they go back to their neutral corners, as John puts it, Aaron goes and looks like she's going to be sick in the hallway, but then ends up beating the crap out of one of the workout dummies in the training room. Mm-hmm. And so much so that her knuckles are bleeding and she's like, she's crying at the end of it. And that's where John finds her. And it's this really touching scene between them because John is kind of the neutral party here. Like he was never a prisoner aboard Moya the way the others were. And he, the only Aaron he's ever known in real life is the one that's been since, since they escaped. And obviously he has really strong feelings for her. They have a developing relationship that goes beyond friendship and he just comforts her. And it's just, there's no judgment. He just holds her. And it's just a really nice, nice touching moment between the two of them when she is so racked with pain. Mm -hmm. And then they end up talking about it and he learns more about the backstory i don't i'll be honest i don't know that i would call john neutral because i think that john in this situation is a lot more team aaron do you know what i mean yeah like i think okay yeah i think that john is maybe the only one on the ship that is currently on her side let me put it that way yeah no no that's a good way to put it i guess i was saying he's not he hasn't been personally imprisoned and tortured by the peacekeepers in the same time period the way that the others have because I was going to say at all but then I was like oh wait Scorpius (laughs) (laughs) and I I also do want to point out that I think that it's interesting that Chiana is kind of the one that's like what did you guys think that Aaron had been doing this whole time because then Mm -hmm. that means that clearly Chiana did realize what Aaron was doing do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean and I think that it is an interesting point because they've all kind of come to terms with Aaron, but I think they just see her now as like, oh, Aaron is special. Aaron is different than the others. And I think that maybe that's what gets them is like the realization that no, she wasn't at all. She wasn't different. Yeah. Yeah. She was She was one of the masses that conquered planets and, and took prisoners. Mm-hmm. So Crichton catches Aaron making hamburger of her fists. And they end up having this interesting conversation because we just talked about how Crichton is team Aaron, but he's team Aaron 
even though she's still keeping him so far away from her. She's not really letting him in either. Cotton, you might have noticed that at times I've kept you at a distance. Many times. Fast distances. There's a reason for that. Just one. Go ahead. Most peacekeepers are bred and reared for one purpose. Military service. Procreation is assigned. There's no such thing as a lifelong mate. But you have relationships. The male-female kind. Of course. As many and as often as you want. Peacekeeper High Command understands the troops' biological needs. Only you don't connect with anyone openly and never with any longevity. I guess the point is, my relationships back then tended to be somewhat... Empty. Painful. So Aaron offers, for really the first time openly, a way of explaining why she is the way she is, why emotions are so scary and dangerous for her. And it all has to do with, again, being a peacekeeper. And I know we've we've seen this kind of thing before. It's been brought up in the episodes in season one where she doesn't want to, you know, talk about anything. But here she's actually putting words to it. And I and I think that's that's a pretty big step for Aaron, really starting to recognize on a deeper level where she was and where she is now. Mm-hmm. And I think what I really, really like there is, is that, okay, clearly she's had many sexual partners, you know, because High Command was like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, do it as much as you want. Like High Command realizes if you get enough hot and sweaty people in the same place, they're going to want to, you know, do what people Bang. do. <laughs> <laughs> But what I really love there is John kind of gives her an out. He was like, "My, you know, your your relationships back then were empty. You know, empty is the adjective he uses. And then she's the one that turns around and says painful, which means mm-hmm. that it wasn't just that she had learned at the time to to break apart sex and emotions. It was that she found kind of that process of doing that painful. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just I really think that's an interesting word for Aaron to use yeah it also implies a learning like she recognized one of the things she says in this in the second part of that conversation is that you know she and Velarek were lovers and they had a relationship that she would now classify as being that she loved him even though she didn't necessarily know the feeling at the time, but that didn't mean she didn't feel the feeling mm-hmm. and know that the emotion was there and that it was strong and that it was devastating when it ended. Mm-hmm. So that's where that painfulness comes from. It's, it's, it's not just divorcing the feelings, but it's having to go through the process of learning how to do that. And I think that's as much a kick in the gut as anything else. Yeah. Well, and also I'm trying to figure out why it's so interesting for me that she uses painful. And I think, yeah, a lot of it is, is that she loved someone before John, you mm-hmm. know, because I think as viewers, we're kind of used to being like, Oh, John was the special stofik that came in and cracked the heart <laughs> of Aaron, you know, like PK poster girl. Well, she had a life before John walked into it and it was a full life. Mm-hmm. It was duty and it was prowler duty and getting reassigned and meeting people and having relations with them and talking with them and hanging out and 
talking about the state of the peacekeepers, even though they don't weren't always supposed to talk about anything that would get them into trouble. But you know, all those things that you kind of forget that happen in everyday life when you have people that you just know from a certain point forward. Some it's like your parents. Like kids don't think about their parents having a life before they had kids, you know. Mm-hmm. But they did. They had a full life. They went to school, or they <clears throat> had other boyfriends and girlfriends, or you know, all these other experiences that inform who they are today. And the same thing with Erin. She's had all these other experiences that have informed who she is today. Mm-hmm. And this really highlights that that is the case. It's something that you might think about in the back of your head or you have headcanons for or that's what fanfic is for. But this is the first time the show really delves into that. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it is it does kind of create this immediate backstory for her that's canonical. And also, I think that we're so used to Erin back from that time not being emotional mm-hmm. that here when she's crying when they when she you know slams the tape off you know and says it was me okay it was me I admit it you know and she's crying and then here she uses this emotional word rather than using the more you know neutral empty you know she says Mm -hmm. you know that it hurt her that it you know it wasn't that it was painful and so I I don't know I think that that's it's interesting because it kind of implies that these emotions aren't something that she's developed since she came to Moya, but rather that being on Moya has allowed her to express them in a way yeah. that she never would have in the Peacekeepers. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. I think that's I think that's definitely the case. So <laughs> Pilot gets his hands on the tape. And like we said, Dargo, I think maybe because he was also a warrior, so maybe he's also the first one that really realizes that when you're when you're a soldier you follow your orders he mm-hmm. he took the he took the recording and he said pilot must never see this and he hides it in his quarters and then pilot calls Aaron as or as she and John are talking about her relationship with Valerek and he says we need to talk and he holds up the recording it's a really ominous moment because you can tell that pilot is angry and because Aaron and Pilot have such a strong bond, it's it's really hard to watch them fighting, mm-hmm. which is basically what happens. I, I want to talk for just a quick, quick second about Pilot in general. Mm-hmm. I think they just used the same puppet when oh, they yeah, did they the... had to have. They weren't going to build another one. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to check because like yeah. when the reason that the beginning works so well is it starts off normal. It starts off just like, you know, video curving through Moya's hallways and then all of a sudden you hear you see PK boots on the mm-hmm. on the deck and you're like, oh, no, what happened? Did Moya get captured? And then they go into Pilot's den and the pilot opens its mouth and it's an entirely different voice. And that's when yeah. you realize there's something different going on. But, yeah, I think they just used the same puppet. <laughs> yeah, no, they had to have used the same puppet. I don't think they would have redone the set. But that said, I think they did light her differently. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how the puppetry works, but maybe there is some expressiveness that wouldn't necessarily be characteristic pilot. I actually wasn't paying that close attention. And then the other quick thing I want to say is I don't think pilot has I mean I'm sure pilot does have a name but this episode is kind of the first reason we might realize why we never hear it Mm -hmm. but I'll get into that a little bit later so Aaron goes to talk to pilot and she acknowledges that yes she has to talk to him about this this is a big deal and I'm going to play their conversation because pilot doesn't take it well this is difficult for both of us both of us it isn't me on that recording committing barbaric slaughter 
with no remorse. This is me, Pilot Aaron. We are closer than any two others on this ship. I still carry remnants of your DNA inside of me. That's why your betrayal cut so deep. Your DNA is the same DNA as the pilot on this recording. Do you have any idea how I felt when I saw it? When I was reminded of what I had done? And what you hear at the end is Pilot reaching out with his, his hand, his claw, and grabbing her by the throat and then just trying to strangle her. And it's it's hard to watch them go at it like that. And Aaron even brings up the shared DNA again and how close they have been and how close they are. It puts in the light like just how deep this cuts both of them, you know? Because what was she thinking when she watched the recording, seeing another pilot there, knowing this pilot as she does? I mean, was she thinking of him? Like, it could have been this pilot that I love that I could have killed? I don't know. No, I mean, I think that's exactly what she was thinking. And also, I think that we've talked a lot about how there tends to be like a hierarchy on that everybody thinks that their species is the highest species, which is one reason in Crackers Don't Matter that everybody was like, well, the light couldn't be affecting me. I'm a higher, (laughs) I'm a superior species. Yeah, I think she was definitely thinking about Pilot. And I think that she's come to a place where now she humanizes Moya and Pilot much more Mm -hmm. than she did back then. And so to kind of be reminded of when she didn't see them as even real creatures, when she saw them as beasts of burden, when she saw them as machines that weren't really doing what they were supposed to be doing, I mean, that had to cut. Yeah. And then on Pilot's side, you have this person that he trusts above everybody else on the crew, I would say. Seeing her do something so atrocious to someone in his position, he's very helpless, you know? Mm-hmm. He is stuck behind that council in the den. He can't run away. And just to see that just cuts so deep on his side, too, because it is a betrayal. It's a betrayal of the trust that he's built with her. But at the same time, it is in the past. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the arc of this episode is both of them coming to terms with their pasts. Yeah, I don't think with either of them. I mean, before we didn't realize that Pilot needed to come to terms with this past. Let's put it that way. We just kind of mm-hmm. thought it was pretty straightforward. But we definitely didn't see Aaron come to terms with her past in in this way. Like we saw her realize that the peacekeepers weren't all good and golden and great. But we never really saw the connection there of her realizing, oh, if the peacekeepers aren't that great, then the things I did as a peacekeeper... Mm-hmm. Or atrocities. Right. Because, you know, her season one arc is as much her dealing with the grief and loss of the peacekeeper life and the peacekeeper lifestyle that she really did love when she lived with it, despite the painful parts, I think, Mm -hmm. as much or more than who the peacekeepers were, what they did. Yes, she had to face some of that, but that was always tempered with her idealism about the good that the peacekeepers could do in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking of... um, PK Tech Girl, when she's talking on the Zelbinian about, you know, how peacekeepers are the ones who keep order in the universe. And when Pilot is confronting Aaron, we kind of see more of the flashbacks to that time. Mm-hmm. And we, we see Pilot being lowered into his current seat and him asking this question of Moya doesn't even know that her old pilot is dead. Moya doesn't even know that he is there. I don't know. It's it's an interesting scene 
And afterwards, when pilots let Aaron go and when he's essentially said, I want you off the ship, you defile Moya with her with your presence. And then Dargo and John are also there because they came in to rescue Aaron. And John is the one that really picks up that there must be something else going on from that time period on pilots. end. What is wrapped up in all the emotion that he is showing? Mm -hmm. I think that one of the reasons I really enjoy this episode is because we're five episodes out now from the pilot. For the season opener. Yeah. Yeah, This is episode five of season two. Yeah. So it's really the first time we get to see John being the John from season one again, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense, because he's been so reactive over the past few episodes and he's been so much me, 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 me. Do you know what I mean? Like everything has been about him. Chiana's whole thing was about him. Dargo's whole thing was about him. In Crackers Don't Matter, he kind of had to confront that he might be a murderer. (laughs) Yeah. And here it's really we really get to see kind of the the John that is emotionally aware, the John that is more in tune with his emotions than other characters, the John that is a problem solver. And it's it is just a little bit of a pleasure to see him again. Yeah. And the John that could read others emotions because earlier, especially with like taking the stone, he's completely blind to Chiana's emotions. And here he is very much picking up on on what's going on with Pilot, even though he doesn't know the full story yet. Yeah, and so I think that maybe that's when this episode turns from just like an, oh no, Aaron was evil, to like a really, I don't know, a more interesting episode. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. Because when you realize that Pilot's reaction isn't just about Aaron, it's about something in his own past, it allows us to really get to know a character that so far has been kind of surface level. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Pilot, in both the crew's life and in the audiences, he's kind of a set piece. Mm-hmm. You know, he's there to run the ship. He's there to explain things. He's there not as a full character always. And yes, he has had his full character moments in the past, especially DNA Mad Scientist. That was a key one, especially later with Moya's pregnancy and with naming the baby and things like that. But he's still a secondary character and a secondary person, I think, mm-hmm. to all the others, even if they don't intend it for to be that way. And this backstory we get on Pilot and how he came aboard and why he came aboard is just, it makes you cry for the puppet. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like even recording the clips as, as I pulled them, I was like tearing up at a couple of the scenes again because mm-hmm. it's so moving because Pilot is more than just sitting there. Mm-hmm. He has ambitions. He has dreams. And that's what we learn about through his, the flashbacks with him and Velarek. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's a good point about Pilot being a puppet, because I think that this is not the sort of interaction you would be able to get with CGI. Like this sort of like visceral characterization has to be puppetry. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't have the physicality of it. Mm-hmm. So after Pilot's banished Aaron... Zan is healing, air quotes, Aaron. And I think we should just play it because I, Mm -hmm. of all the characters, I find Zan's reaction to Aaron in this episode probably the most offensive. Did I hurt you, my dear? You're done, Zan. Thank you for your compassion. Interesting hearing you speaking of compassion. You think I'd like compassion? That Pilot is right and that I defile Moya with my presence? Well, you know what? He's right. And you are right. And I will be in my prowler and out of here in less than an arm. Sorry. No, Zan. I 
I am what I am, and I did what I did. Aaron, you had no choice back then. You did exactly what was expected of you. In that world, that was the only kind of peacekeeper you could be. So Zan is still punishing Aaron, even while she's tending her wounds. And it very much feels like a punishment as opposed to not understanding. Because clearly she understands. She says it. She knows that this was the only way that Aaron could behave back then. But it is very petty how it starts out. And like Aaron's like, yes, you're right to treat me that way. Which is just, uh, that's what finally gets Zan because she knows it's not the way that she's supposed to be treating Aaron. Mm -hmm. And it isn't even when Aaron calls her on the fact that Zan is theoretically a holy woman so Zan should theoretically be able to feel compassion for Aaron it's when mm -hmm. Aaron just essentially is like yeah you're right I hate myself I'm gonna leave and I doubt they're close enough to anywhere where her prowler will get her that far right you know right it'd basically be a suicide run off to the woods to die kind of situation and that's when Zan is kind of like oh yeah I'm not being a very kind person right now. <laughs> yeah, and I think that maybe that's what irritates me the most about Zan in this episode is kind of that of all people, <laughs> of all of the characters on this show, Zan should be the one that is quickest to empathize and the one that is quickest to realize that stories are more nuanced than they appear kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But instead, uh, I don't know. I don't know why Zan in particular, irritates me so much here. I think mostly it is because she is punishing Aaron. That whereas yeah. Dargo was kind of like, oh, you did this horrible thing. And where Rigel immediately tries to, you know, turn it around. Because Rigel is the one that gave Pilot the recording. Because right. <laughs> Rigel... Because Rigel. Yeah. Because <laughs> Rigel wanted Pilot to owe him a solid. But Zan is the one that is punishing Aaron. Yeah. But you know what? Like, I agree that I don't like Zan's behavior here. But on a character level, Zan as a character on a show, I actually kind of do like it because it pulls her out of that stereotype. Mm. Like she is not the all-knowing wise woman, always kind, always whatever. She actually does have a deeper reservoir of feelings about things and she can be petty and she can be mean. And even though that is something she tries to overcome and it's something we've seen her struggle with, especially in parts of the first season when she lost her faith in herself. So from a character standpoint, I do kind of like it in that it gives Zan, it makes Zan a more three-dimensional character to me. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would go with that because it definitely does bring her into sharper relief. Let's point it that way because it does make her more valuable. And it is also when Zan says that that was the only kind of peacekeeper you could be at the time, that that's what really gets Aaron. Because you're never super clear how much of these flashbacks the other characters are actually telling each other about. But it's super clear that Aaron blames herself for a lot. And it's she blames yeah. herself for a lot more than just killing the first pilot. And it kind of goes back to the Lieutenant Velarak. It goes back to Velarek because, you know, in a lot of ways, he is the peacekeeper mirror of John. Mm. He is a peacekeeper who is not fitting into the mold of the peacekeepers. He's an intelligent engineer tech who is in, has a lot of authority and a lot of power. And when he is in private with Aaron, he starts voicing things that are forbidden to be voiced. And for instance, you know, 
questioning high command's decisions. High command is like God. The peacekeepers are not supposed to question high command's orders at all. And the fact that he does, that he is a thinking, intelligent person behind all of that, and he wants more from life, and he wants Aaron to have more from life. It's a lot of the same things that I think attracted her to John and, well, attracted her attention to John, let's put it that way, not necessarily in the romantic sense immediately, Mm -hmm. but caught her attention. Well, yeah, because, like, earlier we had this sex scene between Aaron and Velarek that kind of started off as, like, a rapey thing, but then it, like, very quickly wasn't, and then it was very quickly, like, oh, this is just how they play with each other, because he, like, grabs her from behind and then spins her around, but then it's, like, she's on top, and it was, like... You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's clearly the show trying to set up the ambiguity of whether that he hurt her or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so it's a little bit questionable. And maybe we can say it's the her retelling to John and John's assumptions about it. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Actually, I like that better. Like maybe <laughs> at first he's being like, oh, no, Valorek hurt her. But then he's like, oh, no, they were lovers. But then after yeah. they have sex, she literally it's like they finished. And then she, like, gets up to go, and Velarik is, like, trying to cuddle her, and she's, like, she's, like, bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very much in keeping with that, what, it's, no, it's pointless to try and have a relationship, or it's pointless to spend time with you if we're not going to be able to, you know, we're going to be reassigned soon anyway. Yeah. But also the other thing about Velarik questioning High Command is that it isn't just when he's talking to her and he's actually questioning High Command. We see it also at different intervals because initially when he goes in to talk to the first pilot he is talking to the first pilot Mm -hmm. whereas when Krace comes in Krace's initial reaction is if she doesn't initially obey you kill her like end Mm -hmm. of story so clearly that's the PK way and then later on when we first meet Pilot, as Pilot's coming into the into Moya, Velarek is like touching Pilot's cheek and he's speaking very gently to him. And Pilot is like speaking in this language that no one understands. And Aaron actually has this interesting quote where she's like, I don't understand him. It's kind of weird. And and he's like, Oh, well, his language is so complex that one sentence can carry a hundred meanings, a hundred emotions, a hundred pieces of information. And I think that maybe that's why we just call them pilots and not by their name. Right. Because they don't have names the same way necessarily. Yeah. That's a good theory. Because it is a little bit confusing in this episode why it, it makes sense kind of if pilot is like Moya's pilot and maybe that has become his entire role, why that's the only Mm -hmm. name we know him by. But then now we have two pilots and they're both called Pilot. <laughs> and he Well The way I was thinking about it is just like mom. Like every American kid nearly calls their mother mom or some form of mama or whatever language you speak, whether it's Spanish or whatever, you there's that familiar term or your dad, mm-hmm. you know, parents. And maybe that's the sort of the same thing for pilots. Once they are bonded to a ship, they kindly take on that role. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I Just mean, in I terms of naming conventions. I mean, honestly, my real opinion is that the writers wrote themselves into a corner and they're trying to write themselves out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I would argue that that is probably what is actually happening, but still it is interesting yeah. to think of. So, well, I, I do like going back to the language thing for a sec. I do like that they have such a complex language because it's, you know, running the ship. We've already seen when Aaron was going through her transformation as is DNA mad scientist, like she was starting to have thought processes of so much going on in her head that she couldn't handle it. And that's the complexity of the pilot brain. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so I like that the language explanation goes along with that and the challenge of being bonded to ships like Moya mm-hmm. and running them. Yeah. So Velerick is kind of actually questioning high command with Aaron. And then he has an interesting line that viewers who are rewatching <laughs> with us will remember because we mention it from time to time. Likely kill this Leviathan and I cannot let that happen. Will not. What does that mean? Aaron, I know how I feel about you. And I think I know how you feel about me. When I leave here, I want you to come with me. You can be so much more. You can be more. Uh. One of the very first things that John says to Aaron when they're escaping. You know, the use of that quote really makes me wonder if she saw John as a second chance of Velarek. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that was John's literal, like, first real meaty line with her when they first met was, you can be so much more. So I'm kind of wondering if when he said that, because at that point she just thought he's this weird, stupid alien that doesn't even have translator mm-hmm. microbes, you know. And when he said that, I wonder if she was like, I get another chance. Yeah, I could definitely see that it would be something that would resonate with her and not just the more part, but just having someone else see something in her worth saving. Mm. And she's had that. She's felt that before. And I don't know. But yeah, I think it does resonate with her. Well, I mean, it it can't not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I like the idea of it maybe being less about the the wording and more about somebody seeing someone that deserves to be saved or that could be saved. And maybe it's because, I mean, maybe I'm sure it is because of how it ends up going down with Valorak, which I mean, I assume if you're listening to this, it's not going to be a spoiler, but we are going to get there. (laughs) But at the same time that I think that her hearing that line again Mm -hmm. gets her a chance to do it over. I think that she regretted it. Maybe not at the time. I think she regrets it at the time. So let's just go ahead and go there since we're talking about it. What happens is the the thing that Velerick does not want to do is this experiment that Crace wants. And so he wants to go against orders and prevent this experiment from happening on Moya. And Aaron turns him in over it because she wants to get back on prowler duty. And she's I think she's also scared of the fact that he's disobeying orders. You know, I think she's I, there's a fear there of he's stepping outside the norms and I know about it. What could happen? Mm-hmm. And she doesn't know what could happen. And so she sees the opportunity to put things back in their colored lines, you know, color within the lines again and get back to prowler duty because her normal she's been assigned to transport duty. That's how she met Velerick because she was the transport pilot. And so she turns him into Crace mm-hmm. and her face because she's there when it happens She's got tears in her eyes. And I think she does regret it as soon as it's done, you know, even before it's done. Yeah. You know, well, because before it's done, she's saying she's telling him she's like, put it back, whatever you did, put it back, change it back, you know, and it is this kind of this intense need for what's about to happen, not to happen. Yes. Even though at this point she set in motion wheels that she can no longer control. Yes. And I want to play another little clip with Velarek because we've talked about how he's different than the peacekeepers and not just because he is able to question high command and not just because he is a tech, but he's like a high ranking tech. So here it is. What about flying 
prowlers. Then through all the accepted channels of command, without something to single me out, they'll never listen to me. I will make this as exciting for you as flying any prowler could ever be. I promise. Where would we go? What does it matter? Somewhere else. I don't know how to live somewhere else. You only say that because this is all you've ever known. In the right new place, you'll thrive. At this point, there, he's asked her to go with him somewhere. The first conversation, she refused, but now she says, I want to go with you. And it's not clear whether it's just a reassignment or whether they'd be like running away, but it sounds like running away together. And I don't know, there's just something about, you know, this is all you've known. These, these four walls of the Peacekeeper box. You haven't ever been outside of it, but you would be fine outside of it. But Aaron is still terrified of it. And I think you see that in the beginning of season one, when she is forced to go outside of that box. First thing she tries to do is get back into the Peacekeepers. Yeah, I think that he kind of gets at something that John also sees and that Aaron can't see about herself, but that ends up being true. You know, mm-hmm. the, it ends up being true that she's she's not just fine outside of the Peacekeeper box. She really thrives outside of the Peacekeeper box when she's allowed to become someone else, her own self, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. When she's allowed to grow beyond it, I think might be a way to put it. Yeah. Because, and I think he really sees that. And I kind of don't actually think it is that much of a question. I think it's pretty clear that he's saying we're going to run away from the mm-hmm. peacekeepers. Like, I think his plan is kind of he's going to get Aaron assigned to him and then they're just going to leave. They're just not going to go <laughs> to wherever their next place is. Just because of that line of like, of her being like, I don't know how to survive anywhere else. And he's like, well, you've yeah. never seen anywhere else. Yeah. Velarek, I think, is definitely... He's coming from a place of where he regularly interacts with other species. And he regularly interacts with pilot species in particular. And having that outside contact, and you can kind of see where the peacekeepers' fear of contamination by other species comes in, because clearly he has learned a lot and changed as a peacekeeper and a person from his contact with other species. So he has stepped outside of that box just because of his role. And he wants to bring her out with him because he knows it's not as scary as it's made out to be. Mm -hmm. And so she turns him in and there is this kind of, she turns him in because then she gets to go back to prowler detail, Mm -hmm. which she'd already asked Crace for. And she's literally like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm Aaron soon. I want to go back to prowler detail. And Crace like looks through her, turns around and leaves. So, and he kind of walks off in the middle of her talking too. Yeah. (laughs) And so this is how Aaron gets back to prowler detail. She turns in yeah. her lover. Yeah, it's it's very tra- tragic, sad. Yeah, it is interesting because uh, we have the whole season of Aaron, so now we get to go back and reframe that, if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, we get to go back and look at that and be like, oh, okay, so maybe part of what she's fighting in all of season one is also just that this is what somebody already told her she mm-hmm. could be. And now she's forced to be that, and she almost doesn't want him to be right about it. Do you know what I mean? She right. almost doesn't want Velarek to be right that she would be fine. Well, if if she was all right, that means he would have been right. And then she back then would have been wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like defending your old position. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. But so Aaron and John break into Pilot's Den because Pilot's turned off all of Moya's systems. They aren't going Well, anywhere. not just that. Not just that. 
Pilate disconnects himself from Moya. Because in the past, what happened was he was forced bonded with her over a short 60-hour time period. And pilots are supposed to bond with their with their leviathans over a year. And so it was this grafting process. And Moya was tortured into accepting Pilate. And he feels really guilty about it. And so he rips himself apart from Moya. Like, he is no longer physically attached to her. Mm-hmm. And so all the systems are going haywire. Yeah, all the systems are going haywire. And Moya is trying to fix it. But Moya can't without Pilate, which really makes their relationship... An interesting symbiosis. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because before we've been kind of like, oh, pilots exist so that Leviathans can have crew. But then if Moya wants crew, then clearly she needs a pilot. I don't know. It- no, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly the situation. And so Moya's trying to fix it because clearly she doesn't want her, her crew to die, but she can't without pilot. I think it is interesting because like when he's like yanking it out and he's telling John that Moya only accepted him because she was tortured into it. It's this painful moment for both of them because Moya clearly cares for Pilot. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe, yeah, initially she was tortured into it because she, you know, she essentially woke up from a nap. Her old pilot was dead and there's this new guy in the place and the new guy doesn't have the same connection to her that the old right. one does because his is is an artificial connection yeah but at this point they are they are friends they do care about each other they are partners mm-hmm. in the deepest sense of it and when that happens when he tears himself apart from her it's not just because that's when you really get the sense that Pilot is angry at himself it's not just that moya you know he's angry at aaron for killing the pilot and he was brought in no, he blames himself for some of this. And when Aaron and John arrive in the den, that's what we finally begin to understand about Pilot and his role and what happened to him and his choices that go on. So I'm just going to play that clip. And Moya must be pretty worried, wondering where the hell you got to. Doesn't matter. She'll be better off without me. That recording brought back memories of a time none of us wanted to remember. Based on my actions back then, I deserve to die. And if you wish to kill me right now, I'm not going to stop you. But please, spare the others and yourself. Aaron son, it is not you who deserves death. It is I. Okay. So you're not... Moya's original pilot. You replaced her. You can't blame yourself for that. I didn't only replace the old pilot. And then it goes into a flashback about it with a conversation that Velerick had with Pilot, where Velerick is asking Pilot to be the replacement, and Pilot says yes. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of devastating because you realize that Pilot was not passive in this situation. He actually had an active role in being available to be the pilot Mm -hmm. and that's something he feels deeply guilty about yeah because he kind of points out that if he hadn't said yes then they might not have been able to find a replacement pilot and Velarek kind of in the flashback Velarek is like well we would just find somebody else like if you aren't going to say yes I'm going to go find somebody else but the reason is that pilot apparently is very young Mm -hmm. and the elders of his people have said he's not ready 
yet for a Leviathan. And yet he wants a Leviathan and he wants to see the stars. And so he says yes to Velarek. And yeah, he's like that kid who wants so badly to be an astronaut. And then as the rebellious teenager goes off and like steals the space shuttle. <laughs> yeah, essentially, <laughs> you know, and and the weird thing about the flashback is you aren't really clear if if it's kind of like the trill where once you're rejected from the trill program, it's like you're done. You don't have any chance of getting a trill or mm-hmm. if his elders just said, hey, you're really young. You're not ready for a Leviathan yet. Yeah, yeah. You don't really know which case that is. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It's it's hard because he's partially so angry at Aaron because he's angry at himself because it reminds yeah. him that he wasn't on Moya naturally. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, the other analogy I was thinking of was like a strike breaker. Mm. Like, he's he's the guy who came in to fill in the job. And willingly did so, undermining this relationship that Moya had with her previous pilot, because obviously that gets destroyed. And I don't know, there's there's just a lot of emotions wrapped up in that. He gets what he wants, but he has to pay a price for it. Yeah. Like we said earlier in this in this episode, it is interesting because we're so used to pilot being a set piece mm-hmm. that having him do this thing really changes not only how you see him, but also the fact that he's no longer just a set piece, that now he's a fully yeah. blown character. Yeah, definitely. And oh, I don't know. Okay, I'm just going to play the next scene because this is the resolution of it. This is Aaron and Pilot confronting their past. And it's just, it makes me cry every single time. Oh yeah, you're not alone. <laughs> I hadn't agreed to come. Valerick may never have found a replacement pilot. I just wanted so desperately to see the stars. Do you remember when you first came aboard, Moya? Elleric stroked your cheek like this to calm you. Back then I couldn't fathom why he'd do a thing like that. And now I couldn't fathom not doing it. We've come a long way since then, Pilot. And we've still got a long way to go. Take the journey with me. Ah! Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is like the most heartbreaking, most hopeful, most everything scene between the two of them and Aaron is stroking Pilot's cheek and that's where we were saying about the the physicality of the puppets is so key and then he strokes her cheek with her claw and it's just oh my god it's one of the most touching things ever of ever well and especially because I feel like this is the first time they've they've touched each other gently this episode because the episode starts with Aaron being violent against a pilot, not our pilot, but a pilot. And then his first, you know, interaction with her this episode is to try and strangle her to death. And then now they're just both so gentle with each other. And it's like, uh, yeah, I think that uh, it just gets me when she's like, take the journey with me. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to my feeling from through the looking glass where Aaron is really the only one that's like, we are in this together. We are with pilot and I am not going to ever leave Pilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's forgiveness and acknowledging 
that yes, they made mistakes in their past and they can't change them. You can't go backwards. You can only go forwards. And that's the only way you can make amends. Mm-hmm. Well, and then both kind of forgiving themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. Aaron is no longer, Aaron is no longer holding on to that. Okay. I'm going to get in my prowler, go off and die. And right. pilot at the same, t- at the same time is also no longer, you know, kind of holding on to that regret. Yeah. And also it's, it's really good. It's so good. <laughs> well, and also we realize in this episode that, Pilot has been essentially in chronic pain for three cycles mm-hmm. because when Velarek did the, the artificial connections with Moya, Pilot has essentially been in pain and Velarek was like, well, you'll get used to the pain. And it's only when Pilot rips apart the connections that he says to, um, he says to John, he's like, there's no pain, you know, mm-hmm. and it's surprise in his voice. And so after Aaron has, has kind of pushed Pilot to, reconnect with Moya and to take the journey with her into forgiveness and into wholeness. There's a scene where Dargo is helping Pilot make some quick connections, but it's not the same as what Velarek did. It's just apparently it's like the first step in making real non-artificial connections so that Pilot won't be in pain. It's starting the natural bonding process, I think. Yes, it's starting the natural bonding process. And it's interesting to me that it's Dargo that does this. Because I think mm-hmm. Dargo is one of the characters that struggled the most as seeing Pilot and Moya as like whole creatures. And over the past couple episodes, we've really seen him begin to to really accept them as whole creatures. And yeah, step up to bat for them mm-hmm. like he did in Vetus Mortis. Yeah. And so he's the one that, you know, Pilot's like, okay, you know, if you do this, it's going to be at least a cycle before I have full control over Moya again. And Dargo's like, you deserve it. Both of you deserve it. This isn't even mm-hmm. a question, you know? Right, right. It's a really nice nice scene for the two of them. Ugh, I don't know. This episode, so good. This episode is so good. It makes me cry every single time I watch it. Like, I just can't help it. <laughs> this episode's so good. What would you give this yeah. episode? I think this is a solid five. There's the emotion, the emotional core of this episode is so strong. And Aaron and Pilot, both of them just knock it out of the park. I know, so good. I would I would also give this a five. Yeah. In wardrobe watch, everyone's pretty much wearing the same thing. I guess Zan is back in her season one robe for an episode, mm-hmm. but uh, everyone else is wearing what they've been wearing. Mm-hmm. And we get to see what peacekeepers wear when they're on duty and stuff. Mm-hmm. Aaron's in this like really bulky flight suit for a while. Yeah, she's in, in I don't think it's a flight suit. I think it's grunt armor, mm. ground troop armor. Oh, yeah. Something like that. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us if you love this episode, too. Yeah. We want to hear all your emotions, people. <laughs> Just send us emotions. Uh, this is so good. I know we keep saying that, but I just kind of want to go back and watch it again now. I know. It's so worth it, though. It's such a good episode because it's so sometimes Farscape does sad episodes that don't really feel resolved. They just feel sad. And you feel like, why did I put the what? <laughs> and this is an episode that like is really sad and really good and really meaty. And then it ends on this note of complete hope. Yeah. And it's such a satisfying ending to it. So next week we have the <laughs> uh, not quite as satisfying, but hilarious picture, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Maldus is back, yeah. people. Yes, Maldus is back. So we are Farscape Friday podcast on Tumblr and Dreamwith 
and Farscape Friday on Twitter and at Farscape Friday Podcast at Gmail. I didn't do those in the right order this week. Sorry. And so if you want to talk to us about the show, please drop us a note and rate us on iTunes where you can subscribe to us. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.